I'm Jerome Davis. I'm the Artistic Director of Burning Coal Theatre Company. I'd like to welcome all of you to Into the Fire, the Burning Coal Theatre Company podcast series on all things theatrical. Today, we are delighted to welcome the entire cast of Heisenberg, the two-character play uh, being presented through February 5th at Burning Coal. Uh, with me today are Sarah Hankins and Tom McLeister. Tom uh, plays Alex and um, Sarah plays Georgie and the uh, play is by Simon Stevens and we're delighted by the response we've received so far. We have two more weeks uh, in the run. I want to welcome both of you to, to the podcast. Thank Hi, you. thanks for having us. It's my pleasure. And uh, I wanted to start out by asking, uh, Tom, you've, you've uh, performed in this building uh, several times. This yes. is not your first, uh, first time at the rodeo, but uh, Sarah, it is yours. So I wonder if, if each of you could talk a little bit about the building and what it's like uh, from the vantage point of an actor. It's um, great acoustics. It's a, it's a historic building, so it, it, you, kind of, you kind of feel historical as you perform in it. Um, I love that it's uh, reconfigurable. I've, I've seen four sides, two sides, three sides, usually three sides of audience. And we have done one side a couple of times also with the uh, tw uh, uh, three-man Tempest was done with the audience all on one side. That's right. One impressive show was Anne Frank where you actually went up these back stairways up into the uh, uh, apartment that the Franks were um, hidden in. Right. It was very cool. Yeah. That was, uh, that was actually done with scaffolding. We hired yeah. a scaffolding company to come in and elevate the floor yeah. up to the balcony. And um, so you had to enter uh, into that world through the, uh, by walking under the stage and then up the staircase. So. Very effective. And, and it, it's sort of the claustrophobic feel of all these people having to stay in this one room uh, apartment. It was just very effective. Thank you. Do you have any thoughts on the building uh, your first time around, Sarah? Well, I remember when I came in for the auditions, um, I hadn't yet seen a show in the space. And so uh, when I came in to, you know, just give my audition monologue for you guys, I walked into the space and I immediately loved it. Mm -hmm. I thought it was just awesome. It made me want to perform here very badly. I love a thrust space. Thrust is one of my favorite kind of spaces to work in or in the round. And so that was really exciting. I love the exposed brick. Yeah. It gives it a nice feel to it. And I just, I, you know, as a theater artist, I really love it when the audience is close to us and when we're as theater, the audience able to be close to the performers. And so um, I got really excited when I just saw the space. And then when I was cast and we started rehearsing, it was so delightful that we were actually able to rehearse mostly in the space, except for one day we were able to rehearse in the space. Um, well, except for snow days when we rehearsed right. via Skype. <laughs> we rehearsed online. <laughs> we yeah. rehearsed online. No. But um, that was also so fantastic because this play, since the characters, it is... Um, a play in some very still spaces, it was great for us to be able to get to explore the space and figure out how to make the play really work um, for a thrust stage. And uh, yeah, I love it. I love this space. The intimacy is what I like. I like how it kind of brings the audience and the performers together uh, in, in one experience. 
It's funny because uh, people uh, come in uh, who are not theater people a lot uh, to see our shows, but also uh, to book it for weddings and things like that. And, and, and a lot of times they walk in and, and um, their first question is, where's the stage? Oh, yeah. And I say, you're standing on it. <laughs> and then they inevitably say, oh, so it's not a traditional space, <laughs> uh, traditional theater. And I have to inform them of the, you know, 2,500 years of uh, theater history <laughs> in which theater was done in a thrust configuration uh, yeah. b- before we moved indoors and, and, and had a different idea. So uh, good. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, I, I uh, have only acted on it a couple of times myself, but I really do enjoy w- that moment when you first greet the audience. It mm-hmm. it feels like a, a revelation each time, like you're like you're meeting a, 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 a you know a, a, a somebody on a date or something like that. You know, it feels that sort of naked and intimate and mm-hmm. uh, and that sort of thing. Um, Tom, you have uh, you have a resume uh, that goes back quite a quite a while in uh, both film and television. You spent a number of years in Los Angeles. Are you are you originally from LA? Actually, I, I I am from that area. I was I lived in Southern California until I was about twenty three. Moved to New York for about twelve years and then back to. Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. When were you in New York? What what years? Uh, I was in the years seventy four to eighty six. So we overlapped. The scary years. By a year or so, yeah, yeah. When I first got there, the subways were uh, kind of in bad shape, <laughs> yeah. but uh, but that got fixed. Yeah. Um, so um, so I'm curious. Uh, this is a question that often gets asked of actors that that straddle um, you know performance. Uh, what's the what's the difference for you between working in front of a camera and working in front of a live audience? I was lucky enough that I did get to work in front of a camera, but I always thought of it as my day job. And a lot of actors in in Hollywood do think that. They work in television during the day, and then they go do some theater at night. Just about everybody tries to do theater Mm -hmm. all year round. There, and and what's what's is it different? I mean, is it for you? Is it when you when you know you're about to start speaking lines in a in a tele teleplay, for instance? Mm-hmm. Do you approach the character differently, or do you approach uh, the memorization process differently? How do you how do you handle that? Well, the the tricky thing is the is continuity, trying to and and a through line, because you might shoot scenes out of order. Mm-hmm. Um, under different conditions. Almost always do that, I guess, right? Pretty much. They they try to do it in an order, but of course, if there's a location that keeps coming back to, they probably will use that location for a period of time to get all all those those scenes together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I do do think there's... um, No, there's not a difference in acting for me because it's just... That's just what I do. I just do it the same way I do it. There are things like... Um, different noise and you know being outside sometimes yeah. being inside sometimes and so you do maybe adjust your technique your your uh, projection or, uh-huh. or things like that right. but in terms of the the psychology of, of the character you, there was you're not uh, pulling back necessarily when you're when you're working in film or television uh, um, as opposed to what, how you would approach a character on stage. Right. Like I say, just technique. I don't have to speak as loudly when I'm doing a film because there's a microphone on. Yeah, yeah. Usually a couple of feet away from you. Yeah, right? a couple of feet away or, or a lot of times actually a body mic. And do you have uh, experience in other mediums, Sarah, or is 
stature. What, what else have you tell us about? Yeah, that? Um, it's so funny because Tom and I were talking about. I I worked in film, um, just small independent films in New York, and then I did a web series called The Chanticleer um, when I was up in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that that was a lot of fun. Um, so I have done a little bit. I mostly do theater work. Um, it's my first love, and um, because I have a, a a long resume of classical work, sometimes film people are nervous about hiring an, hiring an actor that does a lot of Shakespeare because they're really? afraid they'll be yes they'll be over the top they'll be over the top too theatrical for yeah. the camera yeah. yeah there's kind of a uh, a stigma attached a little bit between the classical world and, and the film world, but yeah. when I conceal my my classical technique, <laughs> they're more apt to hire me to uh-huh. to do some film. And I've worked with uh, one filmmaker in particular, Becky Lane, who's in residence in Ithaca, mm-hmm. and have shot a couple of things with her, which have been really super fun. Yeah. That's great. And and where are you originally from? Are you a North Carolinian by birth? No, my um, family is from the coal mining mountains of Virginia, and uh, but my folks have lived in North Carolina for about the last fifteen years or so. Interesting. Yeah. I, I know several several actors. Brian Linden, who uh, was in the Iron Curtain trilogy. Um, is from West Virginia, from coal mining country, and, yeah. a, and a playwright actor that I know uh, named Rick Seiler uh, uh, is from West Virginia originally. So something about the coal mining uh, industry that's driving the artists away quickly, I guess. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, that's uh, that's something. Uh, so um, um, did you both, I'm just curious, uh, did you both sort of pop out of the womb wanting to act, or were, were there sort of pivotal moments in your life in which acting became the obvious choice for you. How did that happen, uh, Tom? Well, yeah, I didn't come out of the womb wanting to be an actor, per se, but I wanted to be a TV personality. Oh, right. (laughs) Very early on, I wanted to be a ventriloquist at first, then I wanted to be in a rock band, then I, yes, I ended up on stage in high school my junior year, and that's where I went, okay, this Mm -hmm. is the deal. I'm just curious, uh, who was the ventriloquist who inspired you thusly? Well, um, Paul Winchell had a television show on every afternoon that I always watched in between, mm-hmm. you know, um, Three Stooges and Little Rascals. Oh, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And Sarah, what about you? I uh, was involved in theater as a, as a kid. My parents, um, they got married very young when they were 17, and they had me when I, they were 20. And um, they were very intent that even though they didn't have a lot of financial resources, that we would get to do all the things. So we did the piano lessons and the acting lessons and the this and the that. Dance, yeah, 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 the whole nine, you know, yeah. until. But um, I never, I did theater, but I never thought it would be my career until um, I was in college and I decided to declare theater as my major and then possibly go to grad school to be an English professor. That was my thought. Well, you can still go to grad school to do English, even if you have a theater BA. And then after I graduated, I gave myself, it was a smart decision, I gave myself five years to pursue a career professionally Mm -hmm. and see where I was at that time, and then, which would take the pressure off of, oh no, I don't have a gig, I don't have a gig, I should quit. So I gave myself five years to just kind of explore what it's like to be a theater artist and if that was gonna be something that made me happy. And I didn't even realize that the five years were up until I was sitting on stage at a school matinee afterwards at a talk back and was having performed, having performed yeah. Ophelia in Hamlet 
to a group of, of students that had come to see our professional pro production at Orlando Shakes. Yeah. And they, um, they asked me, you know, how did you know you wanted to be an actor? And I realized that it, it, it had been five years. And I was like, and here I am. I think I'm in. And so <laughs> since then, I haven't, I haven't looked back. That's you know. fantastic. Yeah, isn't that hilarious? That's quite nice. It seems to me that a lot of, I mean, oftentimes you hear of the story of a young person who, who very early in their life has the impulse to be a, an artist one, one way or another, but then most people uh, abandon that or, or it abandons them at some mm -hmm. point. Why, why does that stick in some cases and not in others, do you think? Is it, is it just circumstances or is it sort of bullheadedness or <laughs> what is it? Um, it's the, it's every, every actor knows this. They don't know how to do anything else. Right. <laughs> I just don't. Yeah. Uh, Sarah, what about you? Uh, what do well, you think about that? I think I was very lucky in that I, my, my parents were super supportive of whatever my passions were. Yeah. And so if I was interested in something, they were interested in it. They, they were very much the kind of parents that when I decided that I picked up a book at a bookstore that was of Shakespeare plays, my father said, do you want to read that? And I said, yeah, it looks interesting. He never said, you can't, you're not old enough to read that, or yeah, you won't You won't to... understand it. Right. Or, yeah. He didn't do that at all. Instead, he bought it for me and then asked me questions about it. And so I think, luckily, my family was super supportive. Even though they were nervous about me deciding to be an artist just financially, they wanted to, they, they were excited for me to have the opportunity to explore. And I think, so that was really helpful. And then I think... I was doing The Tempest, and the guy, Bill Nutso, who played my dad mm -hmm. in a couple of different plays, he was my dad in Hamlet, he was my dad in Tempest, mm -hmm. he, he said one time when we were getting done doing a show, it had been a particularly beautiful one, he said, there's nothing like, there's nothing like being alive on stage, is there? And I said, no, there's not. He said, it uses all of you in a way that nothing else does. And I think that's that's what keeps me hooked is that it challenges me all the time. It's never easy. And I think I'm drawn to that. I'm yeah. drawn to that. And the living, the fact that you get to do so much that I get to feel Georgie's pain of losing a, a son when I'd, I'm not a parent. You know, right. to be able to explore that area, it's so exciting to me. Yeah. 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 It's true. We get to we get to explore other worlds, other communities, um, and other uh, selves. And and is it is it is it always no matter who it is that you're playing? Is it always a part of you in some way? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I for me it is. For me, I always think of and you know I teach undergrads um, acting, and one of the things that I always talk about is it's you taking yourself through kind of like the prism of the text and the rainbow is sort of the character. You gotta come from where you're starting from. Where's the sympathies and where are the differences? You know, what what is there in Georgie's life that's like my life and how can I enhance that or diminish that? Um, Georgie's really impulsive and uh, so am I. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of my professors always said that I was very awake and I feel like Georgie's awake times a million. And so like accessing that part of myself allows me to go down her journey. Mm -hmm. And it's it's hard for people because like, let's say you're playing a murderer. How do you connect to that? Well, we all have feelings of rage. 
you know, so I do sure. think it's, it we've all gone after that fly that's we've been all gone buzzing around. Tom, Tom, do you feel that way or is it? Uh, is the first it... thing I look at is the character's sense of humor. <laughs> and ah. then, that makes really, sense. I do. And then uh, even, you know, even if he's the meanest, coldest man uh, ruling the country, I still look at that. Where's the sense of humor? Then I realize that I know what he's feeling. I know how he feels, mm-hmm. um, and and that's where I go next. Is 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 just the emotional, like reality, I guess. Uh. Yeah, and and so it's not necessarily a part of me. Well, a part of me understand understands the character, but the character is not necessarily uh, yeah. a part of me. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm always uh, interested in that particular question because I I find that um, that politics the uh, sort of current politics often influences actors uh, mm-hmm. one way or another about a character. If a play is 300 years old and you know if the character existed 300 years ago, um, uh, you know they can be as as evil as mm-hmm. can be, and we have no problem accessing that. But if they're a person who fits within the the constraints of what we consider evil today, then the actors often will have a much more difficult time accessing that part of themselves. Have you ever had to play a character that you didn't want to investigate, that you didn't want to explore in some way? No. Sarah's shaking her head too. Good, that's good. I mean, I think, you know, I've played characters that have made choices that I wouldn't make, but um, the exciting, some of the exciting things I've played Queen Margaret and Henry the Sixth, who who murders a child and then right. throws a, a bloody handkerchief of his blood in the father's face, and so that gets in some some seriously dark places. Right. But um, I, you know, I think one of the things that I had to learn to do in that circumstance was not to judge the character, but instead to get into um, the reasoning why, and also. Uh, understand that it serves some part of the story and she she was a fascinating woman fascinating woman to play Mm -hmm. yeah I don't know I don't think there's any character that I haven't been like really super excited to delve into Mm-hmm. I've yeah. told I've told the story many times, but I, I directed a production once of, with an actor who was supposed to be playing a, a very right wing sort of you know nut job, frankly. Uh, uh, and he was uh, in the play. He was his character and some friends had kidnapped a woman and was forcing her to have her baby. You know, mm-hmm. they literally tied her up and was forcing her not to have an abortion, which is what she wanted to do. And, and his performance was, you know, not good and not nearly as good as, as what he had done with other material, more, more difficult material. Mm-hmm. And he, I met him years later and he said, um, he said uh, you know, uh, my wife uh, had mailed me a, a, an equal rights amendment pen and I wore it under my costume throughout the show. And I thought, when I heard that, I thought, well, of course your performance stunk because you never invested in that character at all. Mm-hmm. You know, you had no intention of doing mm-hmm. that. And so I, I, I do see that sometimes with people who, uh, with actors who have, have more problem accessing uh, the, the kinds of evil that perhaps exist in the world today mm-hmm. than they do something that's long ago and far away. Um, I was going to ask you, so, so 
uh, and this might be more a question for Sarah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you you grew up in a rural area. Uh, we moved all over. So we actually, you know, I was born in the um, the mountains of Virginia, and then we moved to Davidson, where my dad was going to college. Yeah. And then we lived in Boston, uh, New Mexico, Nebraska, and Tennessee. So we moved all over. Uh -huh. Some some rural areas, um, some uh, you know, city city. Small cities and big cities. Was it a military family or what? what was no, that? since they were so young, we followed dad to, you know, college and then grad school and then first job. And then he wow. got involved in uh, the newspaper business and the media. And uh, with that, you tend to move a lot, especially if you're involved in TV. And so he was uh, worked for a couple of different TV stations and it took us all over. We, our, our director is a, an extraordinary young woman named Emily Rainey, who, who grew up here in Raleigh. Um, uh, and um, and uh, about the time she was able to think, uh, she had to leave uh, because uh, she, she realized that there wasn't the infrastructure uh, to support her as an artist, mm. uh, the, the work that she wanted to do in her life. And that's, you know, I think a, a good term for that is brain drain, right? That's what mm -hmm. we're doing to our um, cities and towns yeah. across America. We're, we're taking the very best and brightest, the most creative, and uh, insisting that they get out uh, as quickly as they can. And, and many of them don't come back, or many of them do long after they've passed their creative years. And, and so my question is, um, uh, how can we fix that? I don't know. I think it's about providing opportunities. You know, I'm I'm newly a, a North Carolina resident. I came here to, to go to grad school for two years and graduated from UNCG just recently with my MFA in directing. And I was planning on moving, quite honestly, back to New York City because of the amount of opportunity that's there. Um, and my father passing away this summer has kept me in North Carolina, and I'm committing to staying in North Carolina for the next couple of years at least. And you know, it's about finding opportunity and having opportunities be available. I've been lucky that I've been able to find day jobs, which are teaching to be able to support myself right. and, and artistic. But I think w there needs to, in order for there to be theater jobs, um, and in order for us not to lose our theater artist, we need to support it financially on the governmental and the, and the on and on on the individual level public you know? subsidy for the arts absolutely yeah. when i lived in germany in college i had the fortune of good fortune of going over to um germany as part of an exchange program with davidson college and got to spend a whole year there and every night i could go to a different kind of performance whether it was dance uh symphonies opera ballet what, what whatever. city were you in i was in Würzburg which is in between Frankfurt and Munich. I've never even heard of, yeah. Yeah, and, and, yet, yeah. and yet they had this enormous theater uh, that yeah. had different offerings all the time. And the um, there was a regional theater there, and um, they were able to do, they worked in rep all the time. So I would see the same actors doing different things, and it was all supported through the state. That's right. Tom, can you talk about Emily a bit? Talk about working with her? She's uh, Well, first of all, I knew her work, yeah. and I was really, really impressed mm -hmm. with her work. I just thought she was so inventive, and um, to, to work with her was, was um, fairly easy because she was, um, it, it felt like a collaborative effort from 
the very beginning. She's very strong with how, it, how everything is, it comes together uh, and stays together. She, um, she's a delightful human being. She, she um, in, in other words, so if I brought, if I had an idea, right. I was allowed to explore it. Mm -hmm. If it didn't work, um, I was able to discuss with her why it was or wasn't working. Mm -hmm. um, that was important to me. And this whole experience has been way, way different for me. I, I, I'm trying to think, I mean, on, on, on camera I did one-on-one -on -one scenes all the time, but I don't know, I can't think of a, a time professionally that, I, that I've worked one-on-one -on -one with another actor through, throughout the play. Mm. She, she was able, she had some techniques like underlining words that, that emphasize words. Um, mm -hmm. uh, she stayed on my fanny about learning a dialect because I'm terrified, terrified of this dialect. And <laughs> the reason is, is because I know I'm gonna do a British dialect and I'm gonna come out to, uh, one night and the <laughs> audience is gonna be full of men wearing bowler hats and, yeah. <laughs> Red, white, and blue ties. Yeah. And, so yeah. she was a, she was very patient with me on that uh, on that aspect, and she really really understood the material. Yeah. And there's a there's this um, interesting thing with Heisenberg is that you have to kind of find out a little bit about who Heisenberg was. You have to find out what his principle of uncertainty is saying. Right. Not that I ever understood it, but I at least, you know, read some things about it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but she had, a, she had that. She had that information in her head and was able to, to express to us how it was being expressed throughout the play. That's, that's, that's what I think. She, uh, she had, uh, had a grasp of the material. And yes. And, uh, and that's not always the case uh, in, in uh, theater or any other walk of life. Do you have anything to add to that, Sarah? Well, it's so funny because um, I just adore Emily, and I think she's just a fantastic director. And one of my friends um, back in Greensboro uh, was, was asking me how the process was going, and I had heard good things about Emily before we started from mutual friends, but they said, how's it going? How, what's it like? you know, you just graduated with your degree in directing, being back on stage as an actor mm -hmm. and, you know, working with a director. And I was like, I have director envy while I'm being directed <laughs> by her. Yeah. <laughs> you both enjoy it and hate it at the same time. Yeah, I was like, oh yeah. my God, that's such a brilliant thought. I don't know that I would have thought of that if I was directing this play. No. And so it was a real, it was a real honor. And then she and I both have a lot of clown training. And so... Uh, which brought forth a lot of play in the rehearsal room and a lot of collaboration. And I think that's that was something that was so delightful about the whole process was Tom and I getting to collaborate and then collaborating mm -hmm. with Emily. It was a very warm and generous room. It was a, a delight to rehearse. I looked forward to coming to rehearsal. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Somehow she brings that in the room with her and I, I still haven't quite figured out how she does it, but. Uh, but I'm going to continue to to try to find out. Uh, so um, so what's it? Uh, what is the difference between a, 
you know, a, a multi-character play and, and a two-character play. Uh, what's the difference? Is it just a difference of focus or? Well, first of all, how many people are in the dressing room? Uh-huh, yes. <laughs> you don't have to share with too many people. Yeah. That's a good point. So, good. good. The bathroom's usually free. Yeah. 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 Um, for, for me, I've never done a two-person play before, and I, I didn't realize that until we started rehearsal, and I was like, oh my gosh, I actually haven't done a two-person two show before. And I've directed a lot of them, but I've not actually performed in one. And boy, it's, it's like being Hamlet except there's two Hamlets and you both have to, like you both are like dragging each other uh, through the play, you know, kind of it's supporting like each other. It's like the Hamlet and Ophelia scene went, went on for two mm -hmm. hours. An hour. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I feel like we lean on each other so hard and we, we have to, I mean, we support each other. And especially it's been so great working with Tom because we, I just feel like we both go in there knowing the other one has our back. Um, and so, I don't know, it really, it feels like playing Hamlet in that it's just emotionally exhausting. Emily Reeder told me when she was doing a Skylight with me, which from my standpoint is a two-character play because I'm never <laughs> on stage with the third character, right. but um, uh, she told me that she knew that I had gone up uh, in rehearsal before I knew it, uh, that she could feel it in me before I realized I didn't know my line, and so she would start getting wow. ready to help me. Yeah, and I think I think that uh, that level of uh, of, of uh, connection between actors, if it's a good rehearsal process, is is something that's particularly true for um, for the uh, for the two character play. It's an interesting form, a very interesting form. I, I'm going to rattle on for one more second about okay. that. I, I think I think that. Uh, Edward Albee's Zoo Story, which is a two-character play, is, is one of the two or three greatest American plays ever written. Uh, it's as tight as a drum and and uh, beautiful and horrifying all at once, and mm -hmm. I keep looking for a way to get it on our season. But uh, I, the last question, we'll, uh, we'll wrap up with this. And uh, Sarah, you mentioned clowning. Um, the, it seems to me that the, and, and Tom, I think, mentioned Emily's uh, the training in physical theater. Um, it seems to me that the physicality of these two characters is is very much a part of the storytelling process, uh, and it doesn't. It's not evident in the script that that would be the case. It's not like you know in scene three he does a handstand or she does a somersault. Uh, how, what, talk to me about the the physical life of these characters and how you uh, explored them uh, with Emily. Well, the handstand was cut out. Oh, right. Sorry. Yeah. Curses. <laughs> I did not know that Alex was as physical. When I first read the play, I just saw him as very straight-laced, very um, grounded yeah. in, in, in a sense. Um, it, was, it was Emily allowing me to, to explore, some, explore some of the out, outer um, manifestations. Yeah. yeah. And um, and the character has be, has become quite physical, as far as I can tell. Um, I mean, I'm an old man, so he's not as <laughs> physical as he was if I was playing him when I was 20. Right. But uh, he does have, and there's a whole expression in the movement that can't be can't be uh, shown just by saying the words. Mm. Although we are very lucky to be working with an excellent, excellent playwright. He is 
we can trust we can trust what we say to one another because he, he knew knew how to put it all together to say it um, that's not the question but I did want to point out that no, he's that's a, a really very, good yeah, playwright. I think it's very uh, much a part of that question. Tom, if the two of you have a chance or any listeners um, uh, that we might have to our podcast, uh, you should uh, pick up uh, uh, his working diary uh, and read mm-hmm. it. It's really fantastic and enlightening book and I think shows a lot about how his mind works. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he goes back over and over again and cuts adjectives out of his play just uh, time and again and again. He's going back and doing new drafts with less uh, sort of descriptive uh, uh, language, um, pairing to the bone, I guess. Uh, uh, Sarah, uh, the physical life of, uh, of Georgie. Oh, I'm quite out of the box in my own life <laughs> as far as physicality is concerned. And so it's often, you know, I'm often a surprise to my students that come to hear a lecture for one of my classes because I just can't keep myself still. I try very hard. It's like Georgie says, she says, I always think I'm a different person at work. (laughs) So I I try to contain my physicality, but the great thing was that Emily gave me permission to be extraordinarily physically impulsive and, you know, follow all of those impulses wherever they led me, whether that was like climbing over a table or standing on a chair, jumping mm-hmm. on Tom, whatever mm-hmm. it might be for Tom, having to suffer through. But yes, um, it was so much about the permission that she gave me and the, the kind of openness to play. And I always love to, um, to approach a play from where's, where's the joy? Where's the joy in it? And so that was a lot of fun for me. And I think what we were talking about, you know, we're talking about Simon Stevens. Mm-hmm. I was lucky, lucky enough to read some of his other plays during this process. They're quite dark. Yeah. <laughs> very, very dark. Very, yeah. very dark. And, but so illuminating about yeah. this play. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I felt very lucky that I was able to look at some of the other material. Mm-hmm. And it is funny that he, um, that he cuts out all the adjectives yeah. since I tell... Um, I tell Alex in the play, you use too many adjectives. It makes it seem like you're trying too hard. <laughs> yes, and that's exactly his, uh, his philosophy as a, as a playwright. Uh, what else do you want to tell our listeners about Heisenberg uh, before we uh, sign off today? Anything uh, on your mind? Uh, you're going to have fun. It's going to surprise you. It, mm-hmm. it is a very surprising play, and mm-hmm. um, I was—I'll uh, I'll mention her name uh, and hope she doesn't mind. Uh, uh, the uh, candidate for the U.S. Senate, Deborah Ross, was here on Sunday watching yes. the show, and and she said afterwards, she said, uh, "I didn't expect it to be so uh, positive." Uh, and I said, well, I guess we're not really known for that in <laughs> are we? But this play is. Uh, it's a very positive uh, outlook on human, uh, human nature because, because it shows, um, in both cases, the capacity for change, uh, that we're not just what we always were. Mm. That sounded profound, so I'm going to let yeah. it let it hang there for a moment, and then we'll uh, we'll thank everybody for listening. And uh, and uh, Tom and Sarah, thank you, and we look forward to seeing you again in Heisenberg through February 5th. Uh, tickets available at burningcold.org or at 919-834-4001. Thank you both. Thank Thanks. you.